Greetings, leaders, leaders of tomorrow, and those who just want to know some more about leadership. My name is Earl Airy from Victory Leadership, and welcome to Unlock Your Victory. Lately, I've been discussing the elements of the Victory Unlock model, and this will look at the, the K, uh, which is the knowledge development portion of the LOCK acronym and with knowledge development that is the acquisition of information and the utilization of it then actually becomes wisdom and wisdom is knowledge in motion is the proper use and application of that knowledge having the knowledge is definitely part of the challenge and how to actually store and retain that knowledge and recall it when it is needed are challenges that organizations have faced for, for for centuries. Humanity has faced this method of history, recording the elements of history, and putting the applicable information for future generations in a method that is recalled and can recall the most what appears to be the important portions no different than what organizations uh, are challenged with today. So having knowledge is like a box of tools. And if the only tool you have is a hammer, then everything is treated like a nail. Good knowledge probably used as wisdom. However, starting with the knowledge is where the journey begins. And then the wisdom is the destination of that journey. And organizations are going to go on multiple trips. It's not just one trip of acquiring knowledge and practically using it as wisdom. It will happen again and again. And this is where organizations can create their competitive advantage. Organizations and individuals alike are challenged with acquiring knowledge and storing it as I mentioned, in trying to determine which are the elements that are used or are needed is a challenge unto itself. Organizations really want to take a look at their training models, their learning and development models, that they are tightly aligned with the, the organization's goals and the purpose and reason why they exist. To just haphazardly say whatever you think is uh, attractive or whatever you would like to learn or whatever you think that we should learn uh, is not directing the elements where precious cognitive resources of those who are studying these materials can be used. Something that they may find interesting may not necessarily contribute to supporting the business models. So understanding where the organization where it is going and what is to fulfill bridging the gap in between those two is critical in knowledge acquisition retention management and recollection so having a storage and retrieval method is critical otherwise it's tacit knowledge and that's knowledge that exists within the minds of people it hasn't been codified which is actually placed into a record for recall by anyone who has authorization to have access to that knowledge. 
one of the elements is how do we as individuals uh, assimilate this information, this knowledge? Having the information, of course, codified so that we can repeat these steps is crucial for not only learning the current generation, but the next generation of people that will come into our organization to carry on the mission of why we're in the first place. And if that mission and that model needs to alter or needs to change, if we need to stay the course or pivot, knowledge acquisition, retention, and recall is going to be critical and necessary to successfully implement any of these elements. One of the challenges with learning is we use, or I should say it is very popular to use the approach that we're most familiar with, and that's when we came up in primary school, primary education, K through 12. And how that is structured, we were all there. The model shows the teacher stands at the front of the classroom and the information comes from the front to the students. There is not a lot of participation from the student's perspective, from the perspective that they are going to have something to contribute other than learning what the right answer is or understanding what the model or the framework is, such as like mathematics and sciences. With history, it's facts of events you memorize. With mathematics, you have a framework. And when you understand the rules of the framework, then you can accomplish tasks where you're presented with information where you do not know what the outcome or what the answer will be, but you have the tools necessary to discover this. That is a pedagogy form of education, and that is what we are used to. So this was undoubtedly carried on when learning information was conveyed to adults. However, as people grow and as they gain experience, they have more to contribute to the learning process than they may have when they were eight years old. At the point where you start to learn, you have something to contribute going forward. In the lower grades like kindergarten, first grade, and second grade, it may not be much. However, as the student ages and continues moving forward through the grade levels, there are more experiences that they are accumulating in life that they can contribute to the learning process. When an individual reaches adulthood, this has accumulated incredibly. It is through this understanding of what people already learn that can help them understand and retain the information and the knowledge that is coming through future learning endeavors. Andagogy is where we look at how adults learn. Experiential learning becomes a better tool suited for those who have significant experiences and can contribute to the learning process. This is helpful to understand why adults have established learning methods. People may learn a certain way, they have a, a, a certain habit, and 
understanding that adults are going to leverage these tools, the instructor can craft a method of conveying information in a way that is is a more fluid and uh, a lot more personable and likely more likely for the student to assimilate that information because they are relating it to things that they know or the way that they learn now this knowledge is only tacit if it goes forward and it is not codified so we lose what people can learn in their perceptions of it if we do not take and codify it. Now we can't codify everything, but we can get the best practices and we can take that and carry it on so that we can create a sustainable andragogy model. Then organizations are setting themselves up for learning and development success. When students will link new information to existing life applications, then the relevancy of that emerges. Think about it when, let's go back to high school or middle school, junior high school, when the, the teachers were teaching a subject matter. And I can't think of somebody who did not have this question in their mind. What is this going to do for me why am I learning this and somewhere someplace somebody got together a group of people got together and decided that this is going to make for a good general knowledge this is what they should learn for math this is what students should learn for social sciences for history and not to say that that is incorrect but it's a model that is, in my opinion, and from the research I've done, looks like it's outdated. Nowadays, when you hear about the War of 1812 in the history class, I have to really question the relevancy of that information. I'm not saying that it's not important to understand what the War of 1812 was about. And we are familiar with the saying that those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it. However, with the information age in which we now exist, I believe that there are elements that should have more emphasis as to understanding the knowledge that we come across or the information we come across on the internet. Like, how do I determine if this is relevant information? How do I determine if this information is truthful or factual or what percentage of it is factual? People have a limited amount of cognitive resources and the neuroscience is showing that when a person is saturated that they go into this, I call it like a, a, a neural deficit there's not much to give because they've, they've, they've given it all. They've given it all to rush hour traffic. They've given it to their workplace. They've given it to uh, interaction with other people on a variety of topics. So when it comes to how to prepare for the information age that we are living in, I believe that answering the question, what do I do next, is is very relevant and very important. 
as I said, that the, I'm not to say that information is not important like history, but we can look that up online. I would, as a teacher, I would look to give it an assignment, tell me about this, and go look it up, and come back and, re, and report out. There would be some guidelines that I would share to get relevant information. This is how you find out if the information is relevant, if it is creditable, and if it's uh, anecdotal information or is it scholarly and the importance of the the two of them, and then see what they find. Because nowadays, that's where people are going to get information. I'm looking up information about a a replacement battery for my cordless drill, and instead of me walking up two flights of stairs to the file cabinet where the instructions are held, I just open up a web browser and put in the model of my drill, and I look online to get the information I need. It's simpler for me to stay at my computer and type it into my keyboard than it is to walk up two flights of stairs to the file cabinet that the instructions are in. And nowadays, you don't even get instructions in the box. You just get a little piece of paper that just gives you some basic safety instructions and a website where you can go to to get more information. That's what our information has boiled down to. Now, that type of information, I have a little bit more belief in it being factual. But when somebody is sharing their opinion or somebody is sharing anecdotal information that having a framework to determine if the information is correct and relevant is one of the largest challenges that are that's facing how we learn not only as children how children learn in the pedagogy sense but also adults in the andagogy when we as organizations are investing dollars training dollars into learning and development elements and classes and courses to where we are looking for a return on that investment that turns into organizational prosperity. And then how do we keep that knowledge base, even the tacit knowledge, you know, how you you bang on the side of the machine twice in this spot to unjam the actuator. Uh, this is when you this is how you talk to this particular person from the city uh, when uh, they come in for an inspection Uh, this is who you refer to there's all these little things there's these steps that well you go to this department and you talk to the uh, engineer and this is the results that you are looking to get where there's the human interaction and there is the sociability and these other elements that contribute to the learning process as a whole that are parts that are difficult to codify. And it's a combination of this tacit knowledge and the experiences that people bring into the learning environment that are critical. They are crucial for organizational success and the prosperity and profitability of the organization and even if it's a non-profit or not for-profit organization the strengthening of the organization's existence in the marketplace that helps to keep that organization relevant so when adult students are being taught it's I'll just repeat that it's critical to include them as a part of the learning process the 
instructor or the teacher then becomes the guide that helps to just move through the materials and to create linkage with the student so they can personalize and make greater relevancy of what they're learning so that they can recall it and they can apply it in the wisest way possible and that contributes to so many other elements that work together in the organization. So knowledge development is not a, a, a glamorous topic. It's it's not it's not sexy. It's you know it's not you know full of bells and whistles. It does create epiphanies. It does contribute to a person's well-being in the workplace because we've heard the saying that knowledge is power. And when people have more information then that contributes to increased organizational prosperity in the form of customer service, in the form of change management, in the form of knowledge acquisition, in the form of creativity, whether it's in engineering, in the accounting department, in the legal department, all of these things contribute to a well-being in the person's mind that increases their confidence reducing the fear factor and contributing to increased knowledge and wisdom their chosen department in their profession in their workplace in their industry within themselves within their environment and within the world so that's going to wrap up the unlock model and I have one more episode coming up that is going to look at how all of these link together. None of these elements stand alone. As I mentioned, it's like a workbench with four legs and each one is a letter of the unlock model. Take away the legs. You may not topple your work surface, but you do threaten the stability and increase the chances your work will be on the floor. So I hope you join me next week. Look at how this all knits together and how the unlock model can help unlock the elements necessary for organizational success. So until then, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I hope this helps. And if you have any questions or you want to talk shop further i'm on linkedin earl airy e i have an e on the end of my first name in a-i-r-e-y and you'll find me link in with me and i will be more than happy to be a sounding board on any of these elements i really enjoy this uh, type of work in helping others gain the victory i'll see you in the winner's circle have a victorious week.